Welcome to Impact, the Junior League of Lancaster Centennial Podcast. I'm Debbie Havert, Sustainer Chair, 100th Anniversary Committee Member, and host of this podcast. This is the second episode in what will be a year-long series celebrating the Junior League's 100 years of service to the Lancaster community. Our episodes will examine the extensive and wide-reaching impact of the past and current service projects of the Junior League of Lancaster. Founded in 1923, our mission is to advance women's leadership for meaningful impact through volunteer action, collaboration, and training. Today, we'll be talking about a Junior League past project that is well known as a historic gem in Lancaster, Wheatland, the former residence of President James Buchanan. The restoration of Wheatland was a very early project of the Junior League of Lancaster. In 1934, the Junior League of Lancaster established a committee to purchase, restore, and maintain Wheatland as a historic site that would be open to the public and benefit the community. They raised over $50,000 from the Lancaster community, which would be at least $1.1 million today, enabling them to purchase Wheatland and establish a nonprofit educational foundation known as the James Buchanan Foundation for the Preservation of Wheatland. Wheatland's doors officially opened to the public on May 5th, 1936. I'd like to introduce you to our guests for this episode, Peg Adams, a Junior League of Lancaster sustainer, Anna Kennedy, an active member of the Junior League, and Pat Clark, director of Wheatland. So I'm going to start by telling you a bit about Peg Adams. Peg was born and raised in Norwalk, Connecticut on August 20th, 1930. She was a 1948 graduate of Salem Academy of Winston-Salem, North Carolina, a 1950 graduate of Centenary College of Hackettstown, New Jersey, and a 1952 graduate of the University of Connecticut with a bachelor's in ornamental horticulture with a minor in urban planning. She assisted her first husband, Thomas Brayton Vaughn, Jr., a landscape architect. After his death, she taught programs and flower arrangement to local garden clubs in Westchester County, New York. After marrying Dr. Lawrence J. Adams, she moved to Lancaster, Pennsylvania with their combined family of eight children. Peg's former and current memberships, board positions and accomplishments include Pi Beta Phi Sorority, member of the Junior League of Lancaster since 1952, member of the Daughters of the American Revolution, and member of the National Society of Colonial Dames in America. Peg has been an active member of our community, serving in various positions in St. Joseph's Hospital Auxiliary, including president and chairman of Christmas Round the Tree and past board member of the Lancaster Medical Alliance. And Peg served on the board of James Buchanan Foundation for the Preservation of Wheatland and was elected president of the board in 1993. Currently, she is trustee emeriti of the Lancaster History Board. 
always looking for ways to advocate for her community, Peg served as VP of the Overlook Community Foundation, helped Mannheim Township save the Overlook Golf Course from development, as well as the Overlook Skating Rink. Peg was a member of Women's Garden Club and a member of the Mannheim Township Historical Society and so much more. We welcome you, Peg. Next, we have Anna Kennedy. Anna Brendel Kennedy is the executive director for Touchstone Foundation, which is involved with youth mental wellness partners and past, also past president of the Junior League of Lancaster, PA. At Touchstone Foundation, she manages operations, guides the board of directors, leads strategic planning, and oversees communication and external relations, including fundraising and grant writing. Prior to joining Touchstone Foundation, Anna was program officer for schools, recreation, and active living, and evaluation manager for the Pottstown Area Health and Wellness Foundation. Previously, she served as program officer for the Children and Families Commission of Orange County in Irvine, California, where she worked to improve the health and education of children ages prenatal through age five. Anna holds a master's in urban and regional planning from the University of California, Irvine, and a bachelor's of science in geography from the Pennsylvania State University. Anna has served as president of the Junior League of Lancaster, the steering committee of the Coalition for the Common Health, and the Pennsylvania Health Funders Collaborative. She is a founding member of Let's Talk Lancaster, changing the conversation about mental health. She lives in Lancaster, Pennsylvania with her husband, Stephen Kennedy, and their daughter, Miriam. And now Patrick Clark. Patrick Clark received his Bachelor of Arts in American history with a secondary education certification from Westfield State College in Massachusetts. He completed his master's of science in muse museum education leadership at Bank Street College of Education in New York. Born in Philadelphia, Pat is the sixth of seven children and grew up in Sturbridge, Massachusetts. While attending college in the Berkshire Mountains, he landed a part-time job at Old Sturbridge Village in his hometown which began his career in history museums. Pat and Sarah Southerton, his wife, met at his first directorship at Historic Allaire Village in New Jersey. They married in 1990 and have raised two sons, Curran, age 29, and Mac, age 21. Pat became the director of President James Buchanan's Wheatland in February 2005. Since 1981, he has held leadership positions at a variety of history museums around the East Coast. During his career, he has studied and interpreted early community life in New England, New Jersey's 18th and 19th century iron industry, as well as the political careers of William Blount, the Southwest Territorial Governor, and two United States presidents, Thomas Woodrow Wilson and James Buchanan. As you can tell, we have an amazing group of guests today. I'm going to start with Peg. Peg, you have been involved in many facets of the board and many activities surrounding Wheatland. How did you come to be involved with Wheatland? And could you share some of what you have done to support Wheatland? 
When I married in 1969 and came to Lancaster, I had heard of James Buchanan because my great-grandfather was an abolitionist and moved to Kansas before the Civil War to keep it a free state. And in fact, he wrote part of the Wyandotte Convention, which Pat knows about, that did keep Kansas a free state as opposed to a slave state. And essentially, I was told as a child, caused the Civil War, but that's another, <laughs> another problem. Um, I, I always loved history. Before I got involved with agriculture, I had majored in history at college. Um, it's, it's, um, I was invited to arrange fresh flowers on the uh, back porch at Wheatland very soon after I came to Lancaster. The ladies of the board and friends got fresh flowers for every room and uh, bedrooms upstairs too. And they changed it on every Friday. And we sat on the back porch talked to the tourists when they came in and explained who Buchanan was. We were kind of PR people for the, the flower thing. Um, I can't remember when we stopped getting fresh flowers, but over the year we've had different directors and they weren't interested in that part of Wheatland. We, we had no professional people running Wheatland. It really was just a group of women and a couple of men. <laughs> uh, and eventually we hired our first director and she was, um, her name was Sally Cahillan and she really did put us on a professional basis. And then I happily hired Pat Clark and that was 25 years ago, almost. <laughs> um, I volunteered wherever I was needed, doing every anything I could, mostly outdoors. Um, Wheatland was founded by gifts from local people. And eventually we got to the point where we need prof professional fundraising. And we started things like uh, Fall Fest, which is uh, uh, we'll talk about later. Thank you, Pat. Peg, you have been in the Junior League for 70 years and 53 years affiliated with Wheatland. What an amazing task. You also were president of the board of Wheatland. I was fortunate to be on the board of Wheatland at the same time with you. And remember one of the events we had was Fall Fest. Can you share with us what was special about the Fall Fest event at Wheatland? It was sort of controversial in the beginning because uh, charities like Wheatland did not do, false, do fundraising. I, I don't know where they thought they got the money from, but we needed money. And so we started and it was a live auction on the grounds. And the people who had originally donated money to buy Wheatland were retiring and we were given a lot of things, all kinds of things, and we auctioned them off and we made a lot of money. 
Thank you, Peg. Peg, what makes Wheatland a must-see historic building in our community, state, and country? Uh, we worked very hard to try and improve Buchanan's reputation. It, um, and interestingly enough, the problems he had, and this was just before the Civil War, uh, are similar to the problems we're having right now in the country. And it's history repeats itself. And that's what we're trying to educate people and see what happens. Thank you, Peg. Peg, could you share a favorite memory you have from your time supporting Wheatland in many capacities? <laughs> uh, you've asked me that, and that really, it was hard to think of things. Um, in the beginning, I don't think any of us really knew what we were doing, and it was wonderful to get a real professional program and know what we were doing. And we decided Wheatland was built in 1828. He bought it in 1848 and he died here in 1868. So we concentrated on the 20 years that he lived here. And that seemed to have worked out. And he was controversial, in, but he was the best prepared man to be president. Uh, at the time, he'd been the ambassador to England, the ambassador to Russia. He was not young. He'd had a lot of experience. I, I personally don't think anybody could have stopped the Civil War. I mean, he, he couldn't. So. Thank you so much, Peg. As director of Wheatland, what enticed you to get involved with this historic site? And how many years have you been director? Well, Debbie, I'll start with the, the last part of your question. I started here in 2005, so it, I've been here for 19 years. Um, I spent uh, eight years before coming here in the little town of Stanton, Virginia, uh, where I had been the director initially of what was called the Woodrow Wilson Birthplace Foundation. A lot of people around Virginia refer to it as the birthplace. Uh, and from a marketing perspective, that's kind of tough, you know, um, calling a place of the birthplace. Um, uh, when it was really, uh, you know, the foundations of a man who uh, basically uh, was part of the progressive movement in, in political history, uh, and then led us into and out of World War I. Um, but uh, what enticed me here was really the fact that um, it was back in my home state of Pennsylvania. Um, uh, as, a, as a director, you look to whether or not you're going to get along with the people who are interviewing you. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I seem to hit a, a good cultural note there. Um, but um, importantly for me, it was a, it was a, a presidential site um, and uh, a part of political history that uh, Peg said that Buchanan's uh, controversial. I think it was the times that were con controversial, really. Uh, Buchanan just happened to be trapped in them. Um, but 
you know, the, the group, the James Buchanan Foundation, uh, were looking to do something along the lines of a presidential library. When I was at Woodrow Wilson's site, we had all the uh, all the programming of a of a presidential uh, library, uh, and um, uh, the Buchanan Foundation was interested in that. Uh, after we merged with the Historical Society in two thousand and nine, we actually accomplished that. We launched an online presidential library for James Buchanan. So that's really what enticed me here. Thank you so much for that, Pat. Um, now this one, this question is going to be for Pat and Peg. So I'm gonna start with Pat with this. Um, Pat, when the Junior League helped purchase the Wheatland property in the midst of the Great Depression, not everyone in the community supported the preservation of what some called just another old home. What do you think would have happened to the property had it not been purchased and preserved? Let's start with Pat first. What are your thoughts? Well, I think that the uh, I think the, the Wheatland Mansion would have ultimately been acquired by some group. I don't think any one individual would have been able to pull it off at, the, at that time in history, uh, being the Great Depression. But uh, certainly some group was going to step forward and take care of that, uh, that old house. And, and the reason I say that is because Mary Wilson Ratu, uh, who was the last private owner uh, of the farm, uh, was following uh, not only the uh, the letter of her cousin George Wilson's uh, wishes, but also uh, the whole spirit behind his wishes, and that was to preserve the history of this this old house, particularly since it was the home of the fifteenth president. So those covenants alone would have uh, really dictated uh, what was going to happen to that place. Um, so. Thank you for that, Pat. Peg, what are your thoughts? When I first came to Lancaster and heard about Wheatland, I was told that there was some, the Junior League had acquired it. And I was told that there was something called the Buchanan Brewery that really wanted to buy it and turn it into a roadhouse. And I was horrified. <laughs> so, you know, I did what I could. Yes, thank you for that, Peg. Pat, what has enabled Wheatland to thrive, <clears throat> excuse me, and remain relevant as a historical site and part of the community nearly 90 years after it first opened to the public? Can a historic site evolve? What are some of the challenges that Wheatland faced over the years and how were they handled? Now that we have a lot of questions here, yeah. but what would you say to some of those questions? Well, what, let's start with what, what's uh, enabled the, the historic site to thrive. Um, uh, you know, the United States presidency is just one of those fascinating offices that um, is part of the great experiment, right? Uh, the Amer our American democracy is, a, is an experiment that's ongoing. Uh, and I think it, uh, additionally, many of the issues that our nation grappled with in the 1850s continues to be part of our society's fabric, uh, states' rights versus federal government, racial prejudice, bigotry, 
the rights of individuals over the uh, the powers of government. Uh, and really, during the first 25 to 30 years of the James Buchanan Foundation's existence, you know, there was an explosion of collecting uh, of artifacts. And I think that's, um, you know, that's that's a lot to be uh, grateful for and uh, and amazed by. Uh, Wheatland is, of all the presidential sites that I've been to, that I'm familiar with, uh, one of the most documented U.S. presidents' homes. Uh, there were more newspapers that were curious about uh, Wheatland as the home of this uh, guy that many and himself knew as the old public functionary, uh, and and I think that's you know the our whole fascination with the Civil War when brother fighting brother, cousins fighting cousins, um, that helps Wheatland endure as well because. Wheatland, Buchanan, and the Civil War are yoked together, uh, and and that will be forever true. So, um, yeah, by the end of the 1990s and into the uh, early 21st century, uh, interpretation went unchanged despite uh, local and tourist interest in the coming of the Civil War and the factors that influenced this conflict. The leadership uh, was focused at the time on interior decorations and uh, that had to change. So when we did change it, that helped really, again, reconnect with the, with the uh, general public's interests, so. Good points about how a, a historical site can evolve over time, which of course we know is very helpful. Pat, what would you say is your favorite part of your job as director of Wheatland? Um, well, there's a couple, it's hard to pick. <laughs> <laughs> um, number one, uh, I'm a, I consider myself, in addition to being an educator, I'm a preservationist. So Wheatland is um, forever like any old house crumbling <laughs> uh, and it needs to be preserved. So, um, and along with preservation comes research, which is the other part of it. Um, the, the Buchanan family by themselves are a fascinating topic. Uh, I'm, I'm constantly, I, I think this year alone, I've managed to uh, uncover a handful of different uh, facts about the Buchanan family that just to you know, it's kind of a bit of a nerdy thing to do, but it thrills me uh, to discover these things because it impacts our interpretation, the stories that we can tell. Um, so it's all really kind of tied together, preservation, research, and education. Those are the things. Thank you so much, Pat. And now we're going to get to Anna. Anna, as an active league member and also a resident of this part of Lancaster in which we... Wheatland resides. How do you think Wheatland enhances your part of the community? Thank you. So um, I enjoy visiting the grounds here at Wheatland um, with my family and touring uh, Wheatland, especially during the winter holidays. It's really um, a lot of fun. And I think you know, it provides a really important green space that's open to the public in our neighborhood. Um, Often, you know, I see neighbors walking their dogs, um, visiting the Arboretum here on the property, and it's a 
perfect local destination for walks with my daughter. She's nine. And so, um, you know, most other large properties in our neighborhood are private. And this one is open to the public. As, as an urban planner by training, I, I really appreciate, you know, that we have this park-like space in our community. Thank you, Anna. Anna, next question. We know that you and your daughter, as you have mentioned, have visited Wheatland and enjoy activities on the site. Please share with us what you think your daughter has gleaned from her time at Wheatland. So we're going to hear from your daughter's perspective. Sure. So um, we've attended neighborhood events here on the property, like an Easter egg hunt and pop-up picnics and things with the junior league, like our ice cream social um, her favorite, though, is really the guided tour of Wheatlands. She has really enjoyed learning about history. She loves history. I think she really appreciates understanding what life was like back in the 1800s. It's so different from what we experience today, especially through her eyes as a child. But I have to say her most fun is the Christmas decorations at Wheatland. Um, so we've done the tour several times. You know, we visited the Arboretum. I could picture her as a volunteer docent sometime in the future <laughs> because um, during a recent uh, Junior League of Lancaster event here at the site, she offered to give tours to all the <laughs> children and families, you know, through the windows, walking around the outside of the house. And people were commenting on how knowledgeable she was, how much she remembered about her tours of Wheatland. And she was just basing that on the, her memory. But I have to say her favorite part of Wheatland is probably the outhouse. <laughs> she finds it so fascinating. Um, and again, I think it's just important for kids and families to learn, um, like Pat was saying, uh, to understand our history and put that context into today's uh, way of life. It helps kids appreciate our current events and challenges that um, we're experiencing today because it adds perspective. And I think that's so important for children. Thank you so much, Anna. And now, Anna, as a former president of the league, why do you feel Wheatland is such an important part of our 100th anniversary celebration? Sure, thanks, Debbie. So as you mentioned earlier, you know, really the Junior League of Lancaster is an organization of women uh, like Peg talked about. And together we advanced women's leadership for meaningful community impact through our volunteer action, collaboration and training in the Lancaster County community. And we are an active group of nearly a hundred uh, Lancaster County women. And we're part of this International Association of Women. So preserving Wheatland and other sites like it um, that were in disrepair in our history was an important action for our organization to take during that time in our organization's history. Um, so Peg and her colleagues, you know, and, and women before us had that foresight and vision to recognize that future generations like me and my daughter would want to understand our local history and our nation's history um, so I think that celebrating our past as a junior league through these projects reminds us not only of our community's accomplishments, it also gives us and our community a sense of purpose and context for today and our future too. So today our league is more focused on things like nutrition insecurity and helping children and families who are hungry. 
but our members understand and enjoy learning about these issues and helping our community. And so we've changed just like the community needs have changed. I like how you have given perspective to all of that. And I'm going to add something to what Anna said. You said almost 100 active members and there are 267 sustainers. So we are more than 300 uh, members of our league at this point, which is really exciting. And as you know, Preserving Wheatland was one of the Junior League of Lancaster's first major projects undertaken when the league was only in its ninth year. As we are celebrating the hundredth year, what impact has preserving and supporting Wheatland had on the Junior League of Lancaster? Sure, so I think taking on major historic preservation projects like Wheatland's you know, really remains this treasured legacy for our league and our community to really celebrate. And it's important to recognize that places like Wheatland may not exist today as the community treasures they are had our league not raised the funds and organized to save them. So it is truly remarkable. Like I think of the, the famous Margaret Mead quote, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. I'd say women. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. Um, I just wish more people in our community know that it was the Junior League of Lancaster who preserved Wheatland, saving it from demolition. Our league, you know, took on many historic preservation projects in our early years, and I know we'll hear about more of them later this year. Um, that was the historic context in those years. You know, history was not as appreciated in buildings and sites as it is today. However, I also believe that just as needs change in our community, our league has changed too, as I mentioned. So we no longer necessarily focus on these historic preservation project projects because that's not where Lancaster County's need is today for us as an organization. Instead, we focus on, you know, what is currently the need in our community. And so more recently, we've tackled projects like affordable housing and helping girls in STEM careers. And now, as I mentioned, nutrition insecurity or hunger. So it's important to celebrate and appreciate history like Wheatland, but not let it completely define our current work because history is important to understand in the context of today. So rather, you know, the current community needs drive our work today. And I think that's really important. Thank you so much, Anna. And now I have a question for all of you. And I'm first going to ask Peg, why is it important to learn about the past and what impact does it have on us and on our Lancaster community? So why is it important to learn about the past and what impact does it have on us? Peg? History continues to repeat itself over and over and over again. We really should study it. It's not just dates and memorizing things. It's <laughs> living life. And certainly what's happening in 2023-24 has happened before. And the more you see how it can be cared for and grow, the better we all are. So lucky to be involved with something like Wheatland. Thank you, Peg. And Anna, what would you say? So I think it's really important for our children to understand how, how life was in the past, how people lived, the conflicts and challenges that they endured. 
And again, like Peg said, put it into, into context and help understand our current events in, in a way through history is, you know, what has happened in the past and how what's happening today might be similar to um, conflicts and challenges that we've experienced before. Thank you so much. And now Pat, the historian, I, we, I'm looking forward to hearing your response to that because I know it's been your life. Well, uh, let me start by saying that the historic record is about you and me and everyone else in our community, uh, as well as our nation and our history. And history, local history is, is you know, history of the nation and, and beyond. Uh, but history is more than just about things that happened in the past. By studying history, by keeping it present in our memories, history holds critical information out about our personal identities, our collective profile as a community and as a culture. Reading, understanding, and analyzing history enables us to make functional inquiries into our political lives, our social issues, and our moral issues within our society. I believe its impact on Lancaster and any community for that matter is that it empowers us to reference successes and failures and guide growth in our community. Thank you so much, Pat. Our next question, what lessons can we take from Wheatland and its past to help guide ourselves and our community in the future? And we've touched a bit upon that. So Anna, what would you say? I think some of the challenges that we've experienced in recent presidential elections are really, you know, it's worth going back and understanding President James Buchanan and his role as a as a president in the United States and what our country was going through during his leading up to his presidency and, and during his presidency. I mean, I appreciate understanding history because it, it helps make sense of our current lives today. And, and even, you know, putting it in context to what was happening in the world and in our nation during the time that Buchanan was president. I think we can learn a lot about um, today and, and help sort of learn lessons about the past that can inform you know, today. Thank you so much, Anna. And Pat, There are a number of leadership lessons we can learn from Buchanan's presidency and his history in general. Um, uh, James Buchanan held one of the most impressive government service resumes. I think someone mentioned that earlier uh, of any previous U.S. president. So how did such an experienced and intelligent president wind up uh, with more failures than successes? Uh, during his three months as president-elect, he wrote a number of letters to Justice Catrone and Justice Greer regarding the Dred Scott case that had been before the Supreme Court for quite some time. The court was split between five Southerners and four Northerners. However, the Dred Scott decision was passed with a 7-2 majority. Although it's not clear if his letters were the only influence, he did make it a point uh, to refer to this case in his inaugural speech because uh, Dred Scott decision was released two days later on March 6th. Uh, so what, what kind of lesson do we get from that? Uh, if there's an impartial tribune, tribunal tasked with a decision, do not lobby it as it will destroy the credibility of the decision going forward. He inherited bleeding Kansas from President Pierce, 
but under his presidency, the lawlessness of the territory by the pro-slavery forces worsened, where there, there were two competing governments, one pro-slavery, the other free soil. Um, uh, his cabinet took the side of uh, the pro-slavery folks while he was away on vacation. Uh, he discovered it later uh, and he had to make a decision. Do we, does he side with his cabinet uh, or does he side with the governor that he appointed to the territory? He decided to side with his cabinet, but by doing so, he lost control of managing his administration. Uh, the lesson that we can learn from that is you need to understand the facts on the ground before you rush into a decision. Uh, Buchanan's primary leadership challenge was his personal bias toward the Southern states. His cabinet consisted of four Southerners and three Northern uh, uh, Democrats who were like him, kind of uh, doe faces as they were called back then. Uh, when you are the president of the United States, you're the president of everyone, regardless of geography or culture. And the Southern states had become the minority uh, voice in the country, which is why they threatened secession. Buchanan did not fully comprehend this. Instead, he wanted everyone to simply get along with everyone else. Uh, you, lesson we can learn from that, you cannot be seen playing favorites. These actions will destroy your credibility. Um, so there's a number of different things that we could uh, go on and talk about Buchanan, but those are a few of the lessons. Thank you so much, Pat. Great leadership lessons. I know I'm going to be listening to this podcast uh, and, and looking for those leadership lessons from Wheatland. And what would you say, Peg, about lessons we can take from Wheatland? Being a feminist, I think the power of women to have really put this house, this ideas, back on, on the uh, map of the United States and certainly Lancaster. And it was not without some criticism and we persevered and look where we are. And I do invite everybody to come and see Wheatland. So. Thank you so much, Peg. And so again, a question for all of you. And I know you have probably answered some of this already, but I will ask in case you have one more thing to say. Why should people visit Wheatland? We'll start with Pat. Well, President James Buchanan's Wheatland is a must visit for visit any visitor who wants to gain a better understanding of antebellum uh, America uh, in our, our short history. Um, additionally, Wheatland is one of the few most visually documented homes of a U.S. president. When Buchanan first moved to his new home in 1849, he was the retiring U.S. Secretary of State, and he had recently competed for the Democratic presidential nomination. Hundreds of newspaper journalists were more than curious about this politician who had been deeply engaged in America's political scene since 1821. Uh, in the spring of 1856, when he returned from his diplomatic mission to Great Britain, Buchanan snatched away the Democratic presidential nomination from the incumbent president, Franklin Pierce, and the party favorite, Stephen Douglas of Illinois. Buchanan and his Lancaster farm became a destination for not only tourists from around the nation at that point, but there were quite a number of foreigners who were just very curious about this man. Thank you so much, Pat. What say you, Peg? Why should people visit Wheatland? 
When I came here with my combined family of eight children, uh, I, I dragged them down here and whatever <laughs> <laughs> we, we went through, uh, my children, we, I, well, we needed free labor and I got them to <laughs> help me weed uh, the flower beds. Uh, you know, we did everything. And it, it just, it, it's, the house is not that imposing. It's not that big. You could really imagine yourself living in this house. So fortunately, we haven't had to live here. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Peg. And Anna, what say you? So the last time uh, my daughter and I came up to do the tour of Wheatland um, was last Christmas, and we were the only Lancaster County residents on that tour. So I would encourage all Lancaster County residents to please come out and, and take the tour and understand our community's history. And the president, James Buchanan, who's Lancaster's you know, only president. So, you know, I think, I think it's really, you know, unfortunately, sometimes we don't appreciate the value of what we have right here in our own backyard. And um, I just think it's so important for kids and families and, you know, new residents to Lancaster County to, to come in and really learn about our community's history. Um, do the tour at Wheatland, do it multiple times during the year because it does change. And I know that the docents and everybody here at Lancaster History have ad adapted the, the tour and, and answered really great questions about James Buchanan and his very small family and um, their various roles and um, what they, you know, how they lived in the property during the time leading up to his presidency and then even uh, in the years after. Um, so it's a really fascinating tour and um, to understand his life and um, the context of the day. Thank you so much, Anna. And I have to tell you, I'm going to do something that usually interviewers don't do. I just want to tell people why they should come to Wheatland. Wheatland was a very important part of my life um, as being a board member, as being a docent, as being head of Fall Fest one year. And I loved, again, and Pat has mentioned this about this snapshot in time, snapshot in history, let alone that uh, James Buchanan was our U.S. president, but it's important for children and adults to be able to know about this snapshot in time of U.S. history. So I heartily recommend people to come out and see Wheatland and experience it. That is all the time we have for today. On behalf of the Junior League of Lancaster, I'd like to thank our guests, Peg Adams, Anna Kennedy, and Patrick Clark for joining us today. For more information, please visit Lancaster History website at lancasterhistory.org and the Junior League of Lancaster's website at jllancaster.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Please join us next month when we discuss another project we were involved in, the DeMuth Foundation. Thank you so much from Debbie Havert, your host.